maneuver and, anyway, from books had gotten hold of some English schoolboy notions of honor. Tom Brown's school days for many years had an influence we were not in a position to afford. Simon was a blond boy with big cheekbones and wide gray eyes and had the arms of a cricketer. I go by the illustrations. We never played anything but softball. Opposed to his British style was his patriotic anger at George III. The mayor was at this time ordering the school board to get history books that dealt more harshly with the king, and Simon was very hot at Cornwallis. I admired this patriotic flash, this terrific personal wrath at the general, and his satisfaction over his surrender at Yorktown, which would often come over him at lunch while we ate our bologna sandwiches. Grandma had a piece of boiled chicken at noon, and sometimes there was the gizzard for bristle-headed little Georgie, who loved it and blew at the ridgy thing more to cherish than to cool it. But this martial true-blood pride of Simon's disqualified him for the crafty task to be done at the dispensary. He was too disdainful to lie, and might denounce everybody instead. I could be counted on to do the job, because I enjoyed it. I loved a piece of strategy. I had enthusiasms, too. I had Simon's, though there was never much meat in Cornwallis for me, and I had Grandma Lausch's as well. As for the truth of these statements I was instructed to make, well... It was a fact that we had a border. Grandma Lausch was our border, not a relation at all. She was supported by two sons, one from Cincinnati and one from Racine, Wisconsin. The daughters-in-law did not want her, and she, the widow of a powerful Odessa businessman, a divinity over us, bald, whiskery, with a fat nose, greatly armored in a cutaway, a double-breasted vest, powerfully buttoned, his blue photo enlarged and retouched by Mr. Luloff, hung in the parlor, doubled back between the portico columns of the full-length mirror, the dome of the stove beginning where his trunk ended. She preferred to live with us, because for so many years she was used to direct a house, to command, to govern, to manage, scheme, devise, and intrigue in all her languages. She boasted French and German besides Russian, Polish, and Yiddish, and who but Mr. Luloff, the retouch artist from Division Street, could have tested her claim to French. And he was a serene bogus, too, that triple-backboned gallant tea-drinker. Except that he had been a hacky in Paris once, and if he told the truth about that, might have known French, among other things, like playing tunes on his teeth with a pencil, or singing and keeping time with a handful of coins that he rattled by jigging his thumb along the table, and how to play chess. Grandma Lausch played like Timur, whether chess or clabiash, with palatal catty harshness and sharp gold in her eyes. Klabiash she played with Mr. Crindle, a neighbor of ours who had taught her the game. A powerful, stub-handed man with a large belly, he swatted the table with those hard hands of his, flinging down his cards and shouting, Stutch! Yash! Menel! Klabiash! Grandma looked sardonically at him. She often said after he left, if you've got a Hungarian friend, you don't need an enemy. But there was nothing of the enemy about Mr. Crindle. He merely, sometimes, sounded menacing because of his drill sergeant's bark. He was an old-time Austro-Hungarian conscript, and there was something soldierly about him, a neck that had strained with pushing artillery wheels, a campaigner's red in the face, a powerful bite in his jaw and gold-crowned teeth, green cock-eyes and soft short hair, altogether Napoleonic. His feet slanted out on the ideal of Frederick the Great, but he was about a foot under the required height for guardsmen. He had a masterly look of independence. 
He and his wife, a woman quiet and modest to the neighbors and violently quarrelsome at home, and his son, a dental student, lived in what was called the English basement at the front of the house. The son, Kotze, worked evenings in the corner drugstore and went to school in the neighborhood of County Hospital, and it was he who told Grandma about the free dispensary. Or rather, the old woman sent for him to find out what one could get from those state and county places. She was always sending for people, the butcher, the grocer, the fruit peddler, and received them in the kitchen to explain that the marches had to have discounts. Mama usually had to stand by. The old woman would tell them, "'You see how it is? Do I have to say more? There's no man in the house and the children to bring up.' This was her most frequent argument. When Lubin, the caseworker, came around and sat in the kitchen, familiar, bald-headed in his gold glasses, his weight comfortable, his mouth patient, she shot it at him. "'How do you expect children to be brought up?'